Hi everyone, I'm uh, Kirk Schroeder and I want to welcome you to uh, Brief Encounters, sponsored by the DC Bar community and this is uh, hopefully will be a fun podcast. Uh, I'm a partner at uh, the law firm of uh, Schroeder Brooks and I work in the entertainment field, entertainment law. And I'm super, super excited to have my uh, friend straight from Old Town Alexander, Joe Meadows, who is a litigator uh, and a partner at the uh, law firm of Gordon Reed Scully. And Joe, how do I pronounce that last name? Mansukani. Okay. Yeah. Finally get to do a uh, podcast, the entertainment lawyer and the defamation and uh, litigator gets to uh, finally get a chance to talk. And for our audience today, we're, we're going to just talk about what those things you need to do when you have a client uh, or you have a concern about something that's been posted online. This is sort of a quasi, what are the things you can do, uh, non-litigation that may be some options, but then we'll also get into some of the litigation concepts. And we've got a lot to cover, and we're going to try to do it in the next uh, 30 minutes and hopefully give you a lot of good uh, information. Joe, uh, I don't know, you probably have a nickel for every time someone comes to you and goes, someone wrote something bad about me or I'm pissed off about something that's written about me online. How do you approach that? It, yeah, I wish I did have a nickel for every time that happens. <laughs> it comes up quite frequently and there's no one size fits all for the client or the prospective client. There are a um, variety of different ways to deal with it. And sometimes the do nothing approach is the right approach. In what sense? Well, you know, when I, when I get these frequent topics from, from clients, I start with kind of what you do in the medical field, you know, first do no harm. And if the negative review or negative statement online is not that damaging, or as I speak with the client, if it turns out that it's not that big of a deal for the client at the end of the day, then perhaps you don't do anything about it. Because when you decide you want to take some step about the negative review, you certainly, depending on what you end up doing, you expose yourself or your company to a potential backlash. Uh, many people talk about the, the Streisand effect of raising these issues in the public forum, even though in the end, your goal is to knock down the negative review. But for those situations where the damage is material, where the client has a strong case and the client is willing to roll the dice kind of on a potential Streisand effect going the other way, then there are some things you can do. And that doesn't necessarily mean automatically filing a lawsuit. That could mean sending out a letter, picking up the phone and contacting the other side. Those are kind of on the right hand or extreme side of the things that in the end I may counsel a client to do. So, so let, let's uh, break down just a few things. Streisand effect, uh, um, for those who don't know in our audience, is um, named after Barbara Streisand, who apparently, I guess, had something that was written about her that uh, she did not like. And, uh, oh, it was uh, something to do with the house, in my recollection, or something like that, a picture of a house. And uh, my recollection is, is that she wanted the picture of the house taken down or being identified uh, by her on some map or something. And by complaining about it, she not only did it backlash, but she brought more attention to it 
and be, got some world record or something on on hits. So that for audiences, the uh, the Streisand effect, the idea that you know by calling attention to something you don't like, you're making it uh, worse. There's actually a, a Wikipedia page that will tell you the whole story of what happened with the her privacy rights claim and the backlash that happened as a result. It's quite detailed. It's something that defamation, First Amendment, reputational people always are talking about. And it's probably one of the better examples of things to, to bring up. Well, good for all you adjunct professors out there teaching uh, law class. Uh, don't forget the Streisand effect. So let me, uh, Joe, let's uh, break this down just a little bit more as a practical matter. We're looking at maybe two major areas online. One is in actual social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, you know, any of the other uh, similar sites where someone just says something about you. What do the terms and conditions of those sites, they usually prevent, will they prohibit you from taking any action in any way by participating in those forums or anything like that? Well, I mean, certainly looking at the terms of use privacy policies, what you're agreeing to by using social media is relevant and can sometimes be helpful to a situation where you're dealing with a negative review. And it is another thing that I will talk with count with clients about other than filing litigation or sending a demand letter. Let's take a look at the terms of service. And if the terms of service provide my client with some sort of argument that what is being said about them online violates the terms of service and the social media platform would do something about it, then that is an avenue that a client are, should. Are those provisions out there? I mean, I've not looked at a Facebook or Instagram or, I mean, do they have terms that would allow you some medium or some method to address that? Yes. Yeah. M most of them do. Some social media platforms have more robust terms of service than others. But if you, you know, think of your larger social media platforms, they have fairly detailed terms of service. They talk about when things are posted that are illegal or uh, infringe on intellectual property, or they're dealing with people who are impersonating someone else. Those are situations Very where- Very obvious ones. But yes. not a reputation though? Uh, do they have any rep, uh, remedies for uh, reputation? I mean, uh, certainly something that is an opinion. We know from defamation- uh, and libel cases that opinion is not going to likely be taken down. But, you know, something that's very factual based, uh, you know, Kirk Schroeder is a bank robber, that kind of thing. Probably not. Okay. Um, in, terms of, in terms of defamation, that's a gray area for social media platforms or, or anybody that has a, a space online where they allow other people to comment. They're not going to referee who's right or wrong on an alleged defamatory statement. And they're gonna let the parties duke that out on their own. The other reason why social media platforms do that is because frankly, they are protected in large degree by federal law. Yeah. The uh, Communications Decency Act Section 230 will protect platforms from liability for the statements made by third party users. And as a result, Social media platforms are, are not going to get in the middle of it. Got it. And I know there's been some call uh, to uh, amend 230. Uh, and in fact, I think even uh, Facebook is saying, hey, if we were regulated a little more, life would be much better. I don't know if you have any thoughts on the policy end of 230 
and whether that's a good thing to keep it as is or if it needs to be changed to some degree. Well, I'll stay neutral from a political standpoint, but you're absolutely right that there is one group that would like to do a lot differently with Section 230. In fact, probably scrap it because they would they would say that Section 230 encourages users to defame and harm others, and the platforms have no incentive to moderate the speech because of the protection they get under Section 230. Others don't want to see any changes at all to Section 230. They take the position that the internet would be fundamentally different if you removed Section 230 and people would not communicate as much online and get out their views and, and educate the, the public about public interest and public concern issues. And then there's a group in between that would like to see some changes made to the law to give people who are the subject of statements online some more control over things that are said about them. And as you said not long ago, I just saw very recently Facebook and, and maybe it was somebody else talking about their willingness to make some changes to Section 230 or willingness to make some more aggressive changes to their terms of service. And I haven't seen that in a uh, quite a while. Yeah. And then, um, okay, so you've got that. And so it sounds like on, on the social media front, the actual social media side, you're not going to get much relief or any remedies, at least of the current law, the way it is right now, on someone saying something for you. Your actions likely directly against that party because you haven't waived any right to sue anybody that uh, literally defames you in accordance with uh, the definition of the law, right? That's right. I mean, your, your best recourse, if you cannot do something through terms of service, through social media, and having some creative arguments why moderators should do something with respect to a negative statement, then your, your best recourse, and perhaps your only recourse, is to go against the maker of the statement and okay. assert with or without your lawyer, presumably with your lawyer, whatever good faith claims you can make against that person, whether it's defamation, whether it's false light, other invasion of privacy claims. If this is in a commercial matter, perhaps you've got a false advertising Lanham Act type claim and use those claims as leverage to achieve well, your goal, which may be a takedown. Uh, with the third party relationship, right? Third party contract. Uh, I, I know I've had a few clients over the years in the TV world where uh, all of a sudden there's not a nasty gram, but uh, just a hollow shot to the studio or to the network about something that my client has either written in a book or done something that's not quite there, but they get nervous. And I've got to get on the phone with in-house counsel in New York or LA because they don't know if there's a lawsuit coming or whatever. And I, I keep thinking to myself, gosh, they're just screwing around with our contractual relationship, but they're not saying anything. You know, you get a huddle of five or six lawyers in-house that you know, I don't know how they're recording their time, but uh, <laughs> uh, let's, let's put aside some of the legal ends. I still want to just get still on the medium. So we know where we are with Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, negative reviews like uh, Google, Yelp, any of those. Um, we had a situation, it still may be up on our uh, law firm website where someone wrote this bad review about our law firm. And I was like, I don't recognize this person. And I asked partners in my firm, does anyone know who this is? 
No one knew. And so we, I actually did some research and it found out that the person I pieced together had confused my law firm with another law firm that does wills and estates. It had nothing to do with entertainment law, anything like that, way, way out in the hinterlands. And I still couldn't get Google to take down the review. And so all, my best thing, it still may be up there, was just to write a note, a response saying, we don't know you, you're not a member, you, you've never been a client of the firm, as best we can tell, you have us confused with this law firm doing blah, 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 blah. And that, it may still be up there, I wasn't losing sleep over it. I mean, is that what-, what Well, I think you did, you did one thing right, you did one thing maybe you might change next time. The one thing uh, you did right was, you can work in parallel and you can work through the moderators or the platform. You can also put out your own counter statement. You put out your own counter statement. And if you do it in a smart way, that may diffuse the, the negative impact of what was said. The thing that maybe you did differently was you didn't hire me. Okay. And <laughs> if I hired you, what would you, what would be your routine? What would you have done? I, I don't know. Maybe I would have Maybe I would have had some better arguments or stronger arguments in getting Google to take it down because well, I, fake I, reviews. That we, you know, I'm watching our time, but I want to talk about you know hiring you and what sort of uh, things. But I just want to uh, Yelp. Obviously, there's been controversy about Yelp because you can pay to have reviews moved around and stuff like that. Have you had any experience with Yelp and Yelp reviews, or what would you tell uh, our audience about dealing with Yelp? Yeah, I've had I've counseled some clients on Yelp reviews as obviously as well as many other different platform reviews. I've not had a case against Yelp. I'm familiar with some there are some public cases out there where people have made the argument that certain uh, reviews on Yelp and other platforms were manufactured and that uh, you know allegations that Yelp was part of or collaborating in the the review process arguments tied to claims of unfair trade and, and that type of thing. I think it all depends on what the facts are. And But uh, I think courts the, have generally sided with Yelp, haven't they? I mean, courts well, have basically said, hey, Yelp, you can do these things. I don't know that courts have said that in the alleged or hypothetical situation where Yelp was involved in manufacturing reviews, assuming that was the case, I don't know that courts have approved that. I mean, obviously, like any litigation, it's based on the strength of, the, of your case in terms of the facts. And if you have facts that you can allege in good faith in a complaint that some third party was working with uh, a defendant or others to manufacture reviews, I, you, you certainly could probably have a unfair trade, tortious interference type of complaint situation. Okay. All right. Let me uh, just want to touch on two more topics uh, real quick, uh, briefly, and then we'll talk about um, well, when hiring a, a litigator. One is to distinguish all this under the Digital Millennium Copyright Act on takedown notices, things of that. Can you just for our audience distinguish uh, in case someone thinks, well, why don't we just do a takedown notice? Can you do a takedown notice here? And perhaps not. Yeah, I know, I know you're shaking your head no at me. You can't. So just help our audience distinguish between what we're talking about and takedown notices under uh, DMCA. Yeah. For under the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, if you meet the elements under the act, you can initiate a takedown notice, send that to a social media or other internet platform and you establish that someone has violated your copyright protections, 
and they, the social media platform has to take down that statement, the infringing statement. And if they don't, there are certain potential consequences of that happening through the DMCA process. The person who committed the alleged infringement gets notice of your claim of infringement, and they have certain rights to respond to the allegation of infringement. But that's a whole different world yeah. when it comes to defamation there's no such yeah, thing yeah, as yeah. a takedown i just want to distinguish that from our, our, our audience so that people wouldn't uh, get those uh, confused and then how cooperative are the um the social media sites when you're after them for these things what what are some of your practice tips before we get into any litigation you would say to lawyers or are there any avenues in contacting them or strategies well there are certainly some social media and other review website platforms that are easier to work with than others. You know, I'd say the most well-known, most used internet companies, platforms, for the most part, are easier to work with than some of the ones that are not as well-known. You know, I'll just give you an example of ones that have presented challenges would be Ripoff Report, Glassdoor. They can sometimes be challenging to work with. It may be part of their business model, but no matter who you're dealing with, keep records of who you have contacted, when you've contacted them, what ways you've contacted them. If they have made statements back either on the phone or through email or through messages online, make sure you screenshot them, keep a record so that at some point, if you need to contact a lawyer, you can inform that lawyer all the steps you've taken so that it helps them formulate a better strategy as to uh, how to get a better result than it had been sought for already. And generally, you can find out who to contact in the terms and conditions. Will they uh, have that laid out or do you have to look elsewhere? Well, it depends. But usually these the, the more standard terms and conditions, you'll, you'll have a first place to go to that everybody goes to, some sort of complaint portal. And, or a phone number or something like that. And then you may be able to work your way through the various complaint mechanisms and windows, and hopefully you can get to the name of a person who is a decision maker of some sort. And then that would be your contact person going forward. And if you have another matter, you could try to use that same contact person that you had in a previous matter, and you, won't, you would not have spent so much time, wasting your time trying to get a hold That's of that person idea. to begin with. Got it. Okay. All right. Uh, let's just in our closing time, let's just talk about uh, litigation. Tell me when people come to you, what's usually the circumstances, the profile, and then how reasonable is litigation? How unreasonable? What, what, what do you, I, I, I just haven't gotten anywhere. I'm calling you. I'm pretty pissed. What would you say to me? Well, you know, businesses sometimes have different issues than individuals. And my clients, some of them are businesses mm -hmm. and some of them are individuals. No matter what, the prospect of litigation and having to even put together a very detailed, say, demand letter, if I'm on the plaintiff's side, and sometimes I do defense work too, it's going to be expensive. And if you're going to follow through on demand letter and file a complaint and be prepared to litigate, then you need to understand that it's going to be a costly endeavor and it may not conclude in one month, two months, three months. It may be two to three years before you get to some sort of trial or ending resolution to the matter. 
so that's one thing they need to think about. They need to think about how strong is my case? I mean, you don't want to get involved in a litigation or a litigation type matter if you don't have a strong case and you can't really back up the leverage that you're trying to communicate to the other side. In terms of strength of the case, do you have defamatory per se statements, which are stronger than other types of defamatory statements? In other words, statements that have accused my client of a crime or some sort of ethical misconduct or wrongdoing. Is it opinion matter? Is it something I'm going to have to explain to a judge? Hey, this is this goes beyond protected First Amendment opinion, and it's it's we're dealing with a factual statement that can be proven true or false. Those are probably the two things. You know, how much um, time and energy and the strength of the case. Yeah. How easy is discovery with the social media sites? Do they fight you, or do they generally turn over you know posts and histories and things like that? Well, I mean, if the social media site is a third-party witness for another matter that I'm, I'm involved in, and they've got information that's helpful to my client, and I can subpoena them and explain the relevance of that information, as long as I'm not violating certain laws and I'm just trying to get information that, say, a social media entity or internet service provider is supposed to provide me under the Stored Communications Act, you know, I've got a pretty good chance of getting that information. If they are a direct party litigant and I'm trying to get information from them, then the situation is no different than when I'm dealing with some other litigant. And oftentimes, unfortunately, discovery battles get into discovery fights and nobody wants to turn over anything without having a full-blown fight and and have a, a court resolve it. Got it. Okay. All right. Um, and wrap it up here in just a, a bit, just give an overview of what your advice is as a, a litigator working in the defamation field and in this field of online uh, reputation. And what are the things that uh, either I've missed or what you think are important that you'd want our audience to know? Well, I, th- I think the audience needs to know that, and this kind of goes back to a little bit of what I was just saying, if you want to turn this into a serious legal matter because you want to send out correspondence that lays out a legal claim and or actually file a lawsuit, be prepared for the time and the energy and the cost it is in investing into that matter. It's an investment of time and money and money can rack up in any litigation. Defamation is no different. If it's something that a client can handle on their own, through responding to a negative review like you did in your situation and explaining, hey, you got the wrong guy here. You can do that on your own. You don't need to hire a lawyer for that. And if it's somewhere in between where you're not sure if you have a defamation case or some other claim to bring, or you're not sure how to navigate through the terms of service for a a certain website, then you may need to bring in a lawyer on the counseling side. And hopefully that lawyer would advise uh, you whether or not litigation is viable and what the costs and the budget would be. So, I mean, essentially assessing, getting a good assessment of what the options are, if any, and perhaps putting the other side on notice, whether it's a demand, a takedown or something, or at least reasonable upfront strategies, regardless if it goes anywhere beyond that. Yeah, exactly. You, you hit it right on the nail on the head. Got it. Okay. All right. Uh, well, uh, we want to thank our audience uh, for listening in today. Hopefully this will uh, some help when you're dealing with something as important as your online reputation and not only for you individually, but for 
businesses. Uh, I want to thank uh, Joe Meadows of good old uh, Old Town Alexandra and the uh, Gordon Reese uh, law firm there. Uh, if you need any uh, litigation type assessment or things of that sort, I highly uh, recommend Joe. I'm excited I got a chance to do a, a podcast uh, with him. So on behalf of the DC uh, bar community and everyone, this is uh, Kirk Schroeder, good old entertainment lawyer, saying goodbye. Thanks, everyone.